lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy. Does it seem like I'm too far over? Or the other way. There we go. Hey, what day is it? Happy Tuesday. We're putting this thing together, folks, at kind of the last minute here. Forgive us. We had a, uh, a McIntyre baby false alarm a couple of hours ago. So until about 30 minutes ago, we weren't even sure we were going to be here today, right? So um, it'll be a little bit um, uh, somewhat, uh, I guess we'll say, um, scattered uh, as we get things uh, going and started and underway. But false alarm. Baby not quite ready to arrive yet, but we weren't sure about that. And of course, we're going to put that before everything else. So uh, just kind of give us a little grace today as we are literally getting this thing put together to get on the air in real time as we are now on the air. My name is Steve Dace. That's Aaron McIntyre, soon to be a dad. That's Todd Erzin, who's already one, uh, as am I. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. And if you're looking for clips of the show, which you can watch for free that are uncensored and unfiltered, you can get those at Rumble, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. I uh, also want to let you know about, uh, speaking of Facebook, you know, when they're, uh, you can only have so much time during the day. And when you're spending so much time banning people constantly for telling the truth, well, uh, by and large, the truth is uh, you might have allowed uh, cyber thieves to hack into your system, which recently happened to Facebook. 500 million potential identities put at risk. Here's what this means, even if you have identity theft protection. Thieves may now know a middle initial, a maiden name, the elementary school you went to, the high school you graduated from, you know, the the kinds of things that you would use to identify as yourself online or to do a password retrieval or something online. They now have that information so they can go online where our home titles are kept these days. Log in as now us, look at, make it look like we sold our homes to them on what's called a quit claim deed. And before you know it, the equity in your most important investment and asset could be at jeopardy. Don't let that happen to you. Our friends at Home Title Lock, they painstakingly, painstakingly work to make sure that it will not. And if you want to get 30 free days of protection to just cover your backside during this high-risk Facebook data breach, you may, when you go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code RADIO, and while you're there, check it, check it out to make sure that you yourself have not already been targeted and just didn't know. At HomeTitleLock.com, Lock.com, code radio again. That's home lock.com. Aaron, quick question. When the call came in today and you thought today might be the day, Dad, what did you start to think? I have been joking with our, our our friends and our colleagues down at the Blaze that I hope that he comes like on a Friday afternoon or something, but he will probably come around a Tuesday morning at nine o'clock. And guess what? This morning it was about <laughs> nine o'clock when I got that call from Bella saying, Hey, I think something's happening here. We got a, a couple of things ruled out and everything is fine and, and we're fine and dandy. But yeah, I thought, um, great timing, man. Great timing. And then I got a little bit excited. You asked me, so was Aaron like flustered and stuff when he called you this morning? What was my answer? No, he was just Aaron. It's just Aaron. Yeah. Does, does Aaron get, what does flustered Aaron look like? And maybe, maybe we should, you and I just kind of team up here 
one of these days and see what can what happens when you get him flustered. Because he's just pretty much unflappable all the time, you're, right? You're going to poke the guy that drives the Starship Enterprise over there? That's your <laughs> no, play? You, 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 <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I guess when you put it like that, yes. Because I can't do that, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, neither can I, actually. All right. So here's what's coming up on the show today. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, Mark Meckler from Convention of States is going to join us. He has joined up with uh, the folks at Trafalgar Group, and they have been doing some very intriguing polling uh, of, of expected or likely voters in the 2022 midterm elections. And one of the ones that they've yet to unveil, they're going to unveil those results here on this show this afternoon or this morning or afternoon, depending on when you're watching or evening or tomorrow or three days from now, depending on how and when you choose to tune in. Uh, they're going to unveil what Americans think about vaccination policy. Uh, so that and more. We'll get into some of that polling data here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we will conclude our look at our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. And it's the end of our series for Fake News or Not, looking at each chapter of the book. And we'll conclude by, well, looking at the conclusion. Speaking of conclusions for Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to be taking a look at the conclusion to Loki. So spoiler alert, if you've not seen the final episode, you might want to wait before you listen live here to Pop Culture Tuesday and the final segment of the program. There's no way to possibly discuss it without uh, discussing spoilers, so just be forewarned. So we mentioned, of course, by now, you know, that we had a baby false alarm. And did you notice the time? It would come right about the time that Aaron would be putting the finishing touches on the montage. So guess what we do not have today? Most people's favorite part of the show, Aaron's montage. So I thought today we would kind of flip the script a little bit. I'm going to share with you two some things that I have been posting and sharing on social media that have caught my eye. All right, as I I got to up my game here a little bit. I'm wearing the uh, commemorative Desmond Howard Heisman Trophy throwback jersey that I bought several years ago, okay? So uh, for, for Sports Jersey Week. So I've got a list of things, kind of big picture things, that I'm going to throw at you guys, my own uh, kind of a version of a montage. And then I want to get you guys to react to it, okay? All right, let's let's start with this. Yesterday, a Trump appointed federal judge in Indiana ruled that college students at a public university, in this case Indiana University in Bloomington, have no right to bodily autonomy to not be coerced into injecting and a non-FDA authorized and experimental, therefore, substance into their bodies in order to be students at Indiana University. A Trump-appointed judge denied bodily autonomy for your kids and grandchildren. Of course, though, they have autonomy uh, to kill your future grandchildren if they would like to do that. They may do that, but they do not have bodily autonomy to not be coerced into injecting an experimental substance into their bodies. In this case, the COVID so-called vaccines. Reaction. Well, to me, this is just like the importance of the uh, upcoming school board elections, how we're really going to know whether we're just drunkenly going to return back to uh, normal, no matter the price, no matter the consequences, 
or if we're going to stand up and fight because uh, these are fighting words and obviously so. And it's simply a matter of like, apparently in uh, France, uh, Macron has already backed down. Based on the mobs I was in the not, I was not now, aware of that. Uh, they I, had the same mobs in the streets of Spain as well, but I was not aware that the, he had backed the, the, down. The threatens to, you know, jail for mm-hmm. whatever that was. Same thing, like parents, kids, you, you, you simply cannot tolerate. You have the ability to totally turn this on its head by simply saying no, hell no, bleep no, as Steve always said. But if you just go there like sheep yeah, and, ta- and take the drug... Uh, no matter what they say, no matter what the obvious data says across the entire world about, uh, heck, now Nancy Pelosi's aide uh, just got, uh, and she's vaccinated. That's just, on my list. Okay, well, yep. so I won't go any further. But listen, uh, eyes to see and ears to hear. This is, a, do you want to be a cultist, full froth, or do you just want to be an American? So we've gone from, do you want to build a snowman yeah. to, do you want to be a cultist? I hear you. Aaron? You know, uh, I think this is this is a good lesson for those of you, and there are a few of you, and one of our listeners named Jim Stalker uh, from Michigan. And yes, I'm using his name because he uses his name uh, on social media where he, he sent this. He sent us a video of him um, speaking at us. I think it was a school board meeting mm-hmm, yeah. here recently, and Man, all the stump helmet stickers for for uh, Jim. I, I think when we were doing uh, Daily Defiance on the regular, uh, which that should be starting up here with strictly uh, a different view, uh, you know, specifically for school board meetings. I think I called out Michigan men for not being existing. And I think you did as well. And mm-hmm. I think Jim was one of the people who said, hey, there are a few of us out here in Michigan who are still standing up. And he sent us proof of that uh, the other night. But as you go down the path of people like Jim... Understand who your opponents are. We are not in the realm of basically legal wrangling. We're not in the realm of facts or data or logic. And with leftists, we never have been. I get that. But specifically on this issue, this is all going to come down to defiance. You're not going to get an all clear from anyone. I could think back to, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, Corey Hogan, the lawyer out of Buffalo, uh, New York, who is representing our friend Shannon Joy, and just talking about how um, lawyers in mass are just afraid to touch this issue. So the cavalry is not coming, as we've stated multiple times. So what are you prepared to do if you are living in a school district that's thinking about and that's thinking about um, glomming on to the American uh, Association of Pediatrics or whatever that organization was that Fauci's touting this morning that said, mask all the kids upwards of two years of age. If you're, if you're living in a school district that's going to force that on your children, what are you prepared to do? Mm-hmm. Is truancy an option for you? It should be. And yeah, I said that out loud. It really should be. Or getting a doctor's note. It, but if all else fails, are you going to pull your kids out of school for this? That should be on the table. But it all comes down to defiance on this because eventually if enough people defy defy then uh, it doesn't really matter what the courts say what a trump appointed federal judge says becomes unenforceable mm-hmm. exactly that's a, that's a, i mean that's what government what aaron just articulated for you is a hermeneutic on what what the founders meant in the declaration of independence with the words government by the consent of the governed that's what it means you only have the tyranny you comply with period end of sentence and that's true in any in any governmental system by the way 
I mean, ultimately, whether it's some feudal system, it's an, a dictatorial one, it's an oligarchical, oligarchical one, um, like the Soviet Union with the Politburo. Uh, it's a statist one, like what we are increasingly becoming in our country. Regardless of what the form of government is that is imposing the tyranny, you have as much tyranny as you are willing to comply with. That ultimately, you've made the decision, I don't want to lose a job, I don't want to lose my life, so I will comply with this. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's not a one-way street here. You have to be willing to comply with that. That's what it means. I mean, that that whole thing we just celebrated on July 4th, that Declaration of Independence was a declaration of mass non-compliance. We will not comply with this any longer. However, notice, though, that one or two states didn't step out on their own. They all did. You know, I don't I don't I don't blame folks for not wanting to be the one family that tests the school mask mandate by not sending their kids to school. That's hard. I get that. So why aren't you on the phone right now with every other family that, you know, at that school saying 10 or 15 of us aren't doing that? I wouldn't put fighting masks, at least not yet anyway, uh, on the level of, in, you know, in integrating schools. But it often, you know, often they, they, you know, it would be several black families that would attempt to send their kids to a university or to a school. It'd be very dangerous to just send one. So, you know, the whole triple braided cord is tougher to break. It's July 20th. Get on the horn right now with the rest of your parents in your district and say, what are we prepared to do? Like you were just told by Todd and Aaron and have it prepared now. Because this all, none of this ultimately ends until the pain of imposing it on you is greater than the pain of, or the pain of not doing, yeah, I think I had that right. The pain of imposing on you is greater than it is right now for them to do so. Until that calculus changes where it's more painful for them than it is for you, they will continue to inflict pain. That's human nature. That, you know, that's one of the reasons we have a second amendment. So you have your armed against not just guy, somebody who invades your home, a perp, but your own state, if necessary. All right, next. July 19th, let's update this data because I just looked it up. July 19th was the 103rd consecutive day that the United States was below 1,000 daily deaths with COVID in a country of 329 million people. It now is also the 39th consecutive day we were below 500 daily deaths as well in a nation of 329 million people. If you look at the month of July, there we have been averaging 240.2 deaths with COVID per day in the month of July. That means today, July 20th, based on that trend line, today, there are 0.00000, four zeros. 0.00007% odds that you would die if we don't stratify that for comorbidity or age or anything. There's 0.00007 odds that you would die today with COVID given the current July trend line in the United States of America. To put that number into some context, it's very difficult to do that when you get that many zeros. But in a given year, 0.0006% of Americans will be struck by lightning in a given year. Three zeros. Now, I don't have stratified by month data for lightning strikes, 
I think we all understand there's higher odds of getting struck by lightning in January than, or I'm sorry, in July than January, right? Okay. So I don't know what the stratified data is monthly for lightning strikes in America, but I just, I, I wanted to demonstrate, I, I was hard to come up with something with a level of context of just how non-lethal COVID is, whichever variant you're talking about, as we sit here today in America in July, uh, or heading into late July, and about the only thing I could think of that people automatically glom onto when they think of something that's a devastating but but you know remote occurrence is a lightning strike. So I went with that, even though obviously the numbers don't completely translate on a situational basis. Your thoughts? Well, listen, we we've said for months now, you know, the mask thing is done, and we're moving on to vaccines, but. None of it's ever done because of what Steve said at the end of the last uh, bit of commentary, it, it, the pain level. The, these cultists uh, will not stop until they are defeated. And regardless if, if the school district and these teachers unions were full of a liberal indoctrination or not, let's say they were just uh, Saturday evening post-Americana through and through, but were still simply just overcome by this one thing called COVID, this level of neuroses unable to interpret uh, the data to realize that all that data, if you then stratify it, there's even a far less risk for the kids in that room. And heck, if the vaccines are the vaccines, all the teachers are now had plenty of time, should be protected. The, even if the liberal indoctrination was not a problem, you would, if they declare war via masks for this coming fall, you will have to reciprocate. The The public schools will have, beyond a shadow of a doubt at that point, declared themselves to be an enemy of the state. It's it's not any more complicated than that. Not And not in the way that most of us that would consider ourselves right of center have already declared to a varying degree on a philosophical or ideological level. What you're talking about is on a very practical level, mm. on, a, on an institutional level level that the idea that so you could maybe still infiltrate the system as a patriotic or Christian or religious teacher and find ways to to when you're in that classroom and the door is closed you're it, it's your little fiefdom right yeah. no what we're talking about here is on a on an institutional wide scale level now they are declaring that on a very practical matter yeah, because for the second year in a row, they're telling you that, yeah, we are holding you hostage and mm -hmm. you don't think you can or will do anything about it. And when that bully does that to you, it's on. It's two men enter. Only way out is leave. through, brother. I can just tell you that. Yeah. Faced a lot of bullies in my life, sometimes in my own home. Only way out is through. Aaron. Yeah, I'm going to give you a, a spoiler alert. A spoiler alert, as far as that's concerned, is is the American Academy of Pediatrics thing in your in your rundown, Steve? No, but okay. it, it ties into this. So yeah. go ahead. So, yeah. I, I, our researcher friend extraordinaire uh, Phil Kirpin pointed this out. So, in their school guidance thing that's being touted by Fauci and others this morning, that was released yesterday, where they call on schools to mask children two and up, regardless of vaccination status, for the entire school year, it was filled with. Um, a few footnotes. How many of those footnotes actually link to studies showing the efficacy of masks? It's a really low number. That number is zero. How many footnotes linked to, I don't know, lobbying materials from some teachers union like the American Federation of Teachers? Uh, that would be one. So 
one lobbying piece of material linked in this uh, guidance from the American Academy of Pediatrics. One guy, one, one, one lobbying uh, piece of lobbying material for American Federation of Teachers. Zero scientific evidence for masking. So yeah, the spoiler alert is here is that what Todd is saying, going to war over masks, that's going to be true in vast swaths of America. I'm sad to say. Now, in some places it won't it will not be, and that's because of people like you probably watching and listening to the show uh, who stand up and say, No, we're not going to do this. But in vast swaths, I think, of the country this coming year, just because of the uh, total control, it seems like, that they're just trying to flaunt and flex now. I think they're going, they're picking this fight. They're picking this fight. There's no, there's no justification for it other than they're just trying to flex. I mean, we can decide not to show up in the Valley of Elah. Goliath will still be there boasting, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, just because we don't show up doesn't mean, as Aaron just said, they're picking this fight. Doesn't mean that there will not be a fight. So, I mean, you can bother not to show up. Then the fight just becomes a rout, Okay. But um, the you know, Goliath will remain in the Valley of Elah, boasting and insulting you and intimidating you until you show up there in the valley with your five smooth stones and your courage of conviction. That's the only way out is through. That's the only way out. All right, next. Now a fully vaccinated aide to Speaker Pelosi has tested positive for COVID after coming into contact with fully vaccinated Texas state legislative Democrats last week five of whom, despite being fully vaccinated, have already tested positive for COVID as well. <laughs> Can you say mega spreader events? Not just super spreader, mega spreader. They're literally, guys, they're literally killing people. They're literally kill. probably something like that. Am I doing this right? Am I doing the demagoguery right? I believe you are doing it correctly. Yes, yes. The breathless columns and commentary now coming out to... Conservatives of note, I'll leave it up to you if you want to mention any of them, Steve. That's entirely up to you. But right now, as we speak in the face of overwhelming evidence across the world that these vaccines are not the magic bullet, it doesn't mean they're worthless. It doesn't mean do what you got to do, depending on your your age, your health status. But the this fact that there are any number of conservative golden children who are telling you that you are a reprobate unless you take the jab. It's just a, it's, it's not. And it it's the sad thing is about this. is They are who we thought they were. This is who they were ultimately about so many other things when it came to being conservative, the hills they would die on, how they would stand in the breach at the Valley of Elah, if they would even show up at all. It's pathetic. It is pathetic. There is no conservative movement. There's just a grift. Yeah, I, I saw one of those people that you're talking about yesterday and then again this morning, just coming around to the idea that, hey, the goalposts are shifting here just a little bit. Yeah, you don't think you're breaking some new ground there, Copernicus. <laughs> hey, something's different. There was never a goalpost to begin with. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. There was just that. power. How could you not see this? We are conservatives because we have seen what, what principles, what ways of living are best for the human condition. So we wish to preserve those because we know that when those things are not preserved, they end up in tyranny. So when you see tyranny 
and the inverse of that is a lack of concern. I don't, I don't understand how we did not have the, some people did not have the eyes to see. I know who it is you're talking about when you say that. And I was very tempted yesterday to react to that. And again, this morning, um, here, here's why I didn't do it. One, I, I've, I have overall a lot of respect for this individual, even though they have been disappointing for a year plus in this particular matter. Two, this individual also has one of the largest platforms, media overall platforms at his disposal in America. And frankly, this is where we have to practice the self-awareness we urge others to do and, and see a bigger picture here besides emotion and ego and everything else. The reality is um, I'm much more interested in living free than being personally vindicated. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and this and 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 this person has the wherewithal from a platform capacity standpoint. It's better late than never. Yeah, it's it, to 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 be a, a a far more devastating weapon than frankly we do in this fight with the capacity that we bring to the table. And so, I mean, I I could dunk on them. I could point out, hey, we were right first, and you were. I could do all of that. And you know that would be vindication, or I could seek victory, which is just to let it go. And realize that at this point, I just want I just want to make sure I don't give my way of life back again. And so, you know what? And, and you know, the, Jesus tells a parable about this. About a group of worker, a, a group of workers who have been working there the whole time, and then somebody shows up late, and they get the exact same wage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And and so I think that in a way, kind of applies here. That's why I chose not to go after it yesterday. All right, this last one. Built Bar is debuting lemon almond cheesecake as a limited time flavor available today. I've already purchased it just on the name. I haven't, I've, this is a flavor I've never even tried. You can get it today if that's your jam. Okay. And you know me, pretty much everything's got to be chocolate on top of chocolate for me. I'm the guy that gets the chocolate cake at Costco with the chocolate frosting and the chocolate in the middle. Okay. I like chocolate with my chocolate, but I, when I saw that, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta pounce on that. Built bar is where you can get this today. B U I L T built.com. One of their limited time flavors. They let you know via the email, by the way, first and foremost, when they put these out, because they're available for a limited time. So you get the first crack at it. So you definitely want to Get on their list and subscribe so that you can just get the heads up when they come out with these new uh, and um, uh, limited time flavors like lemon almond cheesecake. But uh, that or any of their other uh, outstanding flavors, uh, the best tasting protein bar you have ever tried, B-U-I-L-T for built.com. Use the promo code DACE to get 15% off the best protein bar you've ever had. And today, limited time, lemon almond cheesecake is available. At built.com promo code days. I've never been more turned on by a built bar pitch. Have, have we have we have we hit your jam? I now? love lemon and I love cheesecake. This is my sweet spot. All right, so we so we finally think why did I not know the guy from Wisconsin's dessert of choice? His dessert jam is cheesecake. That's so on the nose. It's true. That's so on the nose. That I just missed it because it was so obvious. You know what I'm saying? I got you. But but yeah, that, that's a, that is that's as Todd as it gets. Cheesecake 
from a guy who thinks cheese curds and vinegar are separate food groups. Fair? Fair. Yeah. Cheesecake is his dessert jam, Aaron. Yeah, that sounds really good. I they've been able to um they've been able to pull off the birthday cake and then the I mean, you could you could get a mounds or an almond joy uh, candy bar or you could get a built bar like the almond uh the almond um chocolate almond or I'm sorry, the almond uh coconut, I'm sorry, flavor. Or you could uh or you could, you know, actually um fill yourself up with one of the because they they do they really do taste like candy bars. Now, the birthday cake, which is also gluten-free, and I may have had one or two, but no more than two. The rest were Todd. Um, and I am throwing him under the bus. I'm sorry, Todd. I just kind of socked you out of nowhere with that. But um, they, they taste, they're almost, almost, I will say, too sweet for me, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Not in a bad way at all. Like Especially because you're going in psychologically thinking this is a protein exactly. bar. Exactly. So you're not, you're, you're braced more yeah. for like a kind of an aftertaste and a grittiness to it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes out tasting like one of the candy bar that Steve Dace would design if he had his own candy bar store, yeah. it kind of throws you off. Yeah. They are the real deal though. All right. When we come back, uh, Mark Meckler at Convention of States, he's been working with Trafalgar Group on some interesting polling over the last couple of months. First of all, why? But then secondly, what's their latest polling show when it comes to vaccination policy? We'll get into that and more here next. You know, there's already too many reasons to be all stressed out these days. Don't make male pattern baldness your receding hairline one more when it no longer has to be. The good news is Keeps, K-E-E-P-S. Keeps can help. They offer the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but they offer the generic versions, so you only pay about half of the cost. One more thing on top of that great deal. How about convenience? Everything is done online. You answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. And then there's one more thing after the one more thing. Um, You also get 50% off your first order when you go to keeps.com, K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. So you save all that money with the generic versions. You save all that time with the convenience of doing it all at home and online. And then you save even more money with the discount to get you started. 50% off your first order at keeps, K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. Let's bring in good friend of mine, Mark Meckler from the Convention of States. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Home here in Texas, so that's always better than being anywhere else. There you go, brother. So let, let's. You have been. You partnered up with uh, Trafalgar Group, who, of course, yep. kind of became a breakout story uh, with their ability to call the 2016 election. They also had a few things in 2018, right? They gave Ron DeSantis, for example, a much better chance in Florida than the final Quinnipiac poll did, which had him on the day before the election losing by eight. And he ended up winning by just under 40,000 votes. Okay. Um, and then they were they were up there with Rasmussen and, and one or two others amongst the most accurate in 2020 as well. So you guys have partnered with them on doing a lot of issue-based polling around the country. First of all, tell us why you wanted to go down this road, Mark. 
Well, as you know, I'm a grassroots guy. I travel around the country. I talk to grassroots every single day. I've been in 48 states in the last couple of years. So I feel like I sort of have an intuitive understanding of what the American people are thinking. But I wanted a fact base, an actual analytical understanding so that I could back up the things that I think. Because always for me, my goal is to speak for especially conservative grassroots and tell the media what they're thinking. And so by by partnering with Robert Cahaley and Trafalgar Group, I believe we're getting the most accurate read on what people are thinking across the country. And then the second reason is I think most pollsters come in with a bias. They're trying mm-hmm. to get the media to say certain things and to cover certain things. We're not interested in What's that. often we're referred interested. to as push polling, basically. Yeah. Exactly. So we're interested in actually reflecting the American people and what they believe about the issues facing the country. I mean, they thought the Republicans were in danger in the Georgia recount in January. They turned out to be right about that. So this, you know, if you know how the process and methodology of polling works, it's really not that hard. Um, What's what's the hardest thing is identifying who will actually show up and vote, particularly in this day and age of mobile phones and everything else. Um, But but the problem is, as you said, a lot of people doing this don't really come into this with that with that premise they come into this with a narrative and that's what it, we often catch them being uh, inaccurate with so you guys have some have done issues across the board we're going to break some news here this morning you guys have also taken a look at vaccination policy and what the american people think about that in your polling i want to share some of the results from what you guys found uh, this is across the country now. This is everybody, regardless of political affiliation. Uh, do you believe taking COVID vaccine should be mandatory or should the, should, the, should taking the vaccine be a personal choice? This is all people now. 71.4% said personal choice. Only 21.8% said mandatory vaccine. And I'm guessing 90% of them either work at MSNBC, CNN, <laughs> Fox, frankly, if you look at what that channel is saying half the time now, or are a blue check mark on Twitter, 6.8% say they are unsure. Among Democrats, just Democrats, the question is still at almost 59% say it should be a personal choice. 58.7, only one third of Democrats in this poll believe that it should be mandatory. Amongst Republicans, less than 8%, only 7.2% of Republicans believe it should be a mandatory vaccination. All of those, by the way, would be GOP governors and about a third of the people that work at Fox News, apparently. Uh, 87.3% of Republicans believe it should be a personal choice. Amongst independents, 67.2% say it should be a personal choice. Only about one-fourth, a little more than 25%, 26.5% of independents say that it should be mandatory. When you looked at these numbers, um, what did you come away with? Were you surprised at these numbers? By the way, for those that want to know, this poll has a plus three-and-a-half-point Democrat bias, meaning it, it overly Democrats, there's three-and-a-half-point percent more Democrats in this poll than Republicans. So keep those numbers in mind, too. All right, Mark, your thoughts on these results. Yeah, so one, I was just encouraged because what it shows is that the American people still, by and large, including Democrats, 
are people who think for themselves. They're not listening to the hundreds of millions of posts on social media pushed by Facebook and all these other tyrannical oligarchs. They're listening to their own judgment and they trust their own judgment. So the biggest surprise to me was how high the number was among Democrats that believe it shouldn't be mandatory. Mm -hmm. Remember, these are people who are watching MSNBC and CNN and they're trusting their social media overlords. They still don't buy it. I expected that Republicans would be high. It was right around where I expected it would be. But I think overall, it's very hopeful in seeing that people are still self-governing folks in the United States. What do you want this information to accomplish? Now that we know what the people think, what's next? Well, look, there's a political purpose here as well in the sense that I hope that the politicians will pay attention to this and will quit being, quit acting like tyrannical overlords who know better than us. Because if you look at this, this has real political consequences. Obviously, the vast majority of Republicans, the vast majority of independents, and even a strong majority of Democrats believe that there shouldn't be mandatory vaccine requirements. So that should cause people who are looking at the politics of this, which is what the politicians do, to back off and leave us alone and let us make our own decisions. How many... How do I put this question? What are we prepared to do if they don't? I think well, yeah, we are increasingly running into yeah. politicians yeah. that that it's not that they're lazy, Bob, as one of my all-time favorite movies, Office Space, once said. It's that they just don't care. So what do we do then? Yeah, so look, I, I think at this point there's only one choice, and that choice is civil disobedience. And I don't want to just, for, for your listeners, your folks who are watching, I don't want this to just be rhetoric. So I'm going to tell you what I do. Like, for example, I traveled this week. I went to Colorado. I flew from Austin to Denver to Colorado Springs. I did not wear a mask. It said, they say, they say it on the speakers that it's federal law. It's not. It's a federal quote unquote mandate from a king. So I went to the airport. I don't put on a mask. I have a mask with me. I'm not prepared to get arrested yet. I, I had to travel. So I would wear it if I'm forced but I don't wear a mask. And, I, and not only that, but I'm fomenting civil disobedience. I go through the airport and I tell people, you don't have to wear a mask. I wear a shirt that says, hell no, Joe, with an AR on it. People ask me about it. And I tell them to take off their masks. So Patty and I, my wife and I joke as we travel, we indeed are spreading the virus. We're spreading the virus of freedom. I tell people, don't be a sheep, be a sheepdog. Go out there and do what's right for the American people. Protect the American people by offering yourself up in civil disobedience. I'm willing to do it. I hope others are as well. So Mark, while you were talking, because you know me, I've always got to be multitasking. No offense to you. I'm, I, it was very interesting. Not I heard every word. Okay. But I wanted to look up for context um, what the polling was for the TARP bailout in 2008. Because um, the original Rasmussen guy, Scott Rasmussen, when he ran the polling firm, he doesn't anymore. He sold it several years ago. Uh, he once told me personally that this was the most the most unpopular uh, piece of legislation he ever polled in his career was the TARP bailouts of 2008. Looking at the TARP polling from that year, just what I could find here during you know the two or three minute answer that you were just given, your polling has mandatory vaccination pretty close to as unpopular as the TARP bailout that a lot of people credit with really igniting and sparking the, the original Tea Party uprisings that we saw 
the next year. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, but I would add that this one is more intense because it's more personal. In other words, the TARP bailout did not have an immediate personal effect on most citizens in the United States of America. It, this idea of mandatory vaccines has an immediate personal effect. In other words, you're going to be forced to allow somebody to jab a needle into your arm and inject you with an experimental possibly very dangerous vaccine in the largest experimental vaccination program in world history. That's close to home. It's personal. People are protecting their children, their grandkids, their friends, their neighbors. I think the intensity of feeling is much higher here than it was during the TARP era. That's well said. You and I are both men of faith. So we both go into the, we wake up every day understanding that we're not guaranteed anything beyond today, that we live in a fallen world, all creation groans. The idea that we will not be given apocalyptic scenarios or Kobayashi Maru scenarios, that, that we are guaranteed equalities of outcomes and egalitarian utopianism doesn't happen in a sinful world, right? So the idea like by, that we could not see another bubonic level plague or another rage like a smallpox, which for centuries was one of the biggest devastators in human history, that we would not realize that we could face something that is such an immediate danger. The zombies are frothing literally at our windows, and so we don't have time to debate civil liberties right now. We, In real time, we might not be breathing in five minutes, so let's go ahead and, and take our chances and see if this works in real time. There is a possibility in this world you can face scenarios like that, okay? However, when you can, when you when you compare what you just pointed out to this data yesterday yesterday uh july 19th was now i want to make sure i get this right from what i posted before it was the 103rd consecutive day mark that we had fewer than a thousand deaths with COVID in america in fact it's now the 39th consecutive day we have had fewer than 500 that means currently in the month of july you have 0.00007% odds. That's four zeros after the decimal point, not before. Uh, 0.00007% odds in the month of July currently of dying with COVID in America before we ever stratify it for age or comorbidity. Why? See, I can't come up with any good, realistic, reasonable, I just don't agree, but I see what you're thinking. I can't come up with any empathetic reasons why there's a push to push this on us, given that kind of data. Can you come up with one? I cannot. Nothing good. Look, it's just a control mechanism. This is an opportunity for bureaucrats and politicians to get us used to total control. This is fascism, plain and simple. People get frustrated when I use that term. They say it's extreme. Fascism, Benito Mussolini called it uh, everything inside the state, nothing outside the state, and nothing against the state. And I think that's what we're seeing from our federal government and, and lots of the state governments and especially the governors right now. No good reasons, no logical reasons, no scientifically based reasons. This is all about political control. You have any more of these coming up? You've, I mean, you've had several already we've yeah. featured on the show here, but anything you want to tease for the audience about what's in the hopper? Yeah, we're going to have a lot of them coming up. You're going to see uh, one of the ones coming up soon that's really near and dear to my heart. And I think related, believe it or not, is this state-sponsored racism stuff, what they call critical mm. race theory. Mm -hmm. This is another place that's very personal, Steve, where people are pushing back really hard. Here's something I'll tease for you. I'm going to be launching in the next week or so a national effort to consolidate this movement called Every School Board. We're going to go out there. We're going to teach people how to find their school boards, how to participate in their school boards, how to get elected to school boards and how to restore sanity to these school boards all across the country. We're going to stop the spread of racism in America. 
for real. Amen. Good to see you again, brother, as always. All right. Take care. Good to see you too. All right. Thoughts on that conversation, particularly that polling data. Again, based on what I was just able to look up here in the last few minutes, I have to spend more time uh, and I will later today. But from what I can see, their polling is showing mandatory vaccines are about as unpopular as the TARP bailouts at the end of the Bush presidency. Yet they keep their foot on the gas. Because before we have ever heard of a COVID, we talked about on the show all the time, Steve, the idol of the self, that the self has become uh, the ultimate God. And therefore, I told you so, is, is the great incantation of that God, of the expert, of the one who follows the expert, the Karen, the cultist, and and that's why it will not stop without pain and the level of pushback that must at the very least take place, as Mark Meckler just got done saying, and we've said uh, for quite some time now at, uh, at the school district level. Um, but you make them very, very angry when they have placed themselves as a godhead and you tell them, no, that will not stand with them. It will not be allowed. And therefore, you must be the one who wins. There's no choice anymore. They have given you none. They will offer you none. You know, there's a fascinating viral video. I don't know if it was last year, but within the last couple of years of this hiker, I think it was out in Utah, I want to say, but he ran into a a mama mountain lion. And this thing, for about a half an hour, I want to say, this thing just prowled and followed him and followed him and followed him. Until he got out of her area and she felt safe to protect her her cubs or kittens or whatever you call uh, baby mountain lions. You know, I, I think as conservatives, honing in on what we talked about when it feels personal to you, and not just uh, conservatives, but not left America, what's left of America, when it is personal to you, I think what we're seeing with the vaccines is we will push back or at least we will not comply. I think the next step in the evolution of of whatever this is, the conservative movement, what's left of America, the next step, though, is being like that uh, mother mountain lion and chasing the danger away until it's actually safe again. However long that needs to be. Because right now, we are still kind of lucky. We're a little bit lucky that they have not gone all the way yet. And they haven't gone all the way because they can't because of people Uh, like you and me and all of you listening as well. They can't go all the way yet. But after this COVID thing is over, and it's not just going to go away, after this is over, are we going to take the next hill? Are we going to take the next bridge? Or are we purely a defense mechanism? That's the main question. We'll come back. Hour two coming your way. We continue and conclude our look for fake news or not. At our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history, by discussing the conclusion. And we will do that here with Hour 2 next. And we are back again with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre and all of you, of course, we love it 
when you let us know what you think about what we think, although a lot, so many of you are doing that now, it's getting harder to keep up. But again, that's a good problem to have. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter uh, at Steve Day Show. You can look for me on MeWe, Parlor and Gab as well. And if you're looking for clips of the show, you can find those at parlor, I'm sorry, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. That's Rumble dot com slash Steve Day Show. Those clips are free, unfiltered, and uncensored for you as well at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you are a podcast listener to the show, we appreciate you very much. Uh, thank you for your role that you played in the explosive growth of our podcast in the last year or so. If you haven't done so, hit the five-star review up uh, and leave us uh, one of those. Uh, also hit the follow or subscribe button, whichever applies to your particular podcast mechanism. Thank you to all of you that have done that for us already. You have helped contribute uh, to us um, growing, and we appreciate that. If you haven't done so and have the time today, we would appreciate if you did that for us as well. This portion of the show, Fake News or Not, brought to you by our friends over at Bambi. You know, when you're running a business, human resource issues can be a killer, whether it's wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulation. And I don't know if you've checked recently, but human resource manager salaries are not cheap. They average about $70,000 a year. That's why Bambi was created, for small business owners just like you. B-A-M-B-E-E. That's how you spell it. Bam and B, just like it sounds. Created specifically for small business, you get a dedicated human resource manager that helps you craft HR policy, maintain compliance, and it's all just $99 a month. Um, and your dedicated HR manager is available to you via phone, email, or even real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they will customize anything that is required for your particular business. And again, it's all for just 99 bucks a month. And it's month to month with no hidden fees. You can cancel any time. You can't beat that. All right. So let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today when you go to BAM, B, B-A-M-B-E-E, Bambi.com slash Steve right now. Get your free HR audit right now if you are a small business owner at Bambi.com slash Steve. Let's continue and conclude our series of Fake News or Not on our number one best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain, The Most Powerful and Dangerous Bureaucrat in American History. And of course, we conclude with the conclusion. And how fitting we do this on a day where uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci threw yet another temper tantrum when confronted by Dr. Rand Paul. Steve, Fake News or Not, you simply can't write this stuff. Fauci was presented a, quote, courage award by an actress who starred in the movie Conspiracy Theory. That's true. Um, actress Julia Roberts, who starred in the movie Conspiracy Theory, did indeed personally award Anthony Fauci a courage award last fall. That is true. How soon do you think it is before something resembling the the official covid story that the document you know all these documentaries that you show us you have us watch ufos or something mm-hmm. like that how soon do you think it's possible the first one that is a genuine deep enough authoritative dive and not just dance around the edges and trying to get clicks how th- how quickly do you think that's possible I think it's missing one piece. Otherwise, it would be possible right now. 
with all the data that we have compiled um, in the book. And, you know, much of this data we did not independently um, create, meaning we're not, we didn't look at the samples and things ourselves. We, we instead, you know, cataloged so much data that was already being done all over the world. So with all of the data and everything out there right now, and what we are living through and experiencing in real time, what you are suggesting could be done right now, except for one key missing piece, and that is the true origins of the virus. And I think that the reason why that is vital, before do I think you could write a definitive book on this? Well, yeah, I think we kind of have done that. Do I think, therefore, you could do a definitive documentary on this? Yes. There's enough information out there that you could do that. And in fact, if you wanted to do a sequel documentary to our book, you could do that. By now you apply, you take this to the next level so that what was attempted here with COVID stand and is still being attempted, by the way, it's just not as much on the offense, on the offense as it was last year, but so that this never, ever happens again, right? What are some fail safes that we could put in place so that this could never, ever happen again? But do I, I don't think the, the definitive judgment at Nuremberg level of, of documentary case could be made. I would say a case similar to what was done last year, I think it was, or 2019, Netflix came out with a fairly exhaustive documentary series on Jeffrey Epstein, okay? Now, but that story is not completely written yet, right? We, we, we don't mm-hmm. really know what's going to happen with Ghislaine Maxwell, and we, we think we know what her role is, but we don't know details about that role. So I think you could do that level of an expose very effectively on COVID if the, with the point of helping people to be equipped so that this never happens to them, something like this again. Because that is a concern that I've, I've expressed this entire time, which is we have no plumb line right now. Right now, we have half the country that wants this thing to be at more serious than it has ever been. And we have the other half of the country that has been lied to and so often. They're kind of conditioned that if we did get a zombie apocalypse or a MERS-level event with a 30% case fatality rate they would they would probably just write it off from the very bit at the very beginning because they've been lied to too often that's that's not good either way right you know and so i i think you could do a but if you wanted to to do the definitive like the rise and fall of of the third reich edmund gibbons the decline and fall of the roman empire uh you know john calvin's institutes on the christian religion if you wanted to do that level of a of a we all agree whether you agree with the conclusions or not. This is a seminal work. This is the authoritarian work on this subject. We need to know the true origins of the virus, in my opinion. And here is why we need to know this. Because that then tells us what its purpose is, if it has one beyond just randomness. Let me, let me give you, an, let me give you an exa- a couple of examples. And if I'm rambling here, because you have other points you want to get to, tell me. No. Okay. Good. All right. Because um, I want to make sure what I'm saying is germane to what mm-hmm. you want us to address. Okay. If if it was intended, let me just give you a hypothetical. Just, just throw a hypothetical out there. And that's, this is just a hypothetical. Sorry. It's just a hypothetical. Okay. Hypothetically speaking. 
let's say that what one group intended, like the Shycoms, to be a bioweapon was being cultivated, worked on, engineered, adapted during the years of gain-of-function research from 2014 to 2017 at a time that we all, most, most of our, this would be pre-Trump, pre-China, pre-trade war, right? And China was just kind of looked at by most people, including most people in our government, as either an ally or a strategic adversary, meaning we were competing with them on the global stage, but it wasn't like this. they were the Soviet Union in the 80s or their radical Islam, right? Okay. And so a lot of cutting edge pharmaceutical and research companies view, well, I mean, China's our friend now. We've been working with them on all kinds of other things. I mean, they wouldn't lie to us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I guess it's a little suspicious. The guy that used to run the bioweapons program is running the Wuhan lab, but I mean, it is a communist government. Pretty much everybody's worked in the military at some point, right? Okay. I mean, if if, if we got rid of everybody in China that we wouldn't work with because they ever had ties to the military, we'd never have a chance to work with China. Okay. And and so you let's pool our resources together. So China thinks think thinks this is a bioweapon. Everybody else, though, thinks that they're doing the Lord's work that they want to make sure they're ahead of the next MERS, the next SARS-MERS level event. And they start playing around with this family of viruses in order to try to have a vaccine preemptively sequenced at least. I mean, you still have to go through the human trial process of, you know, what does it do to people when we put it in? But at least we've got a genome. We've got something sequenced that gives us a framework to launch should something like this show up. And it just so happens we find out that it was this research done by cutting-edge researchers and scientists all over the world, including our own government, that actually gave birth to SARS-CoV-19. That that's its true origin. That's a key piece of information, is it not? Yes. Again, just hypothetically speaking, if that were the case, that would tell us quite a bit about its purpose. One group intended it for it to be a bioweapon. Another group ended up trying to unlock the secrets of this family of viruses and created a Frankenstein's monster instead. And now we may have an explanation for why it is mutating so fast, why it seems so, its mutations seem ahead of us, why our studies are showing in real time that the natural immunity is superior to the vaccination immunity because the vaccination isn't an, an attenuated or a benign or inert version of a virus like traditional vaccines are. It's, it's a facsimile. It's like the, it's like the, what's a good analogy? Um, karaoke singer that you think is the real thing until like Adele shows up and then you're like, Oh, like that's just a karaoke singer. Right. Mm -hmm. And therefore this virus is a step ahead of all of these attempts to mitigate it from a vaccination standpoint, because it's, it is itself a byproduct of our vaccination technologies. It was birthed out of that. 
It's the superior strain. This is viral interference like we saw last year when flu and pneumonia went away. And therefore, if we were to come into that knowledge, would that boy, would that change radically our approach to fighting back and defending against it? Is it a smart play to take a spiked protein, put it in your blood, have it replicate itself about 40 trillion times in your blood, only to find out later on with with new technology that you don't really know what the long-term ramifications of putting that in your body are, but then only to find out that by and large, the virus is two or three or four or five evolutionary, small e, evolutionary steps ahead of you. So this is all for naught because you're attempting to beat the real thing with it. Basically, it's offspring. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And that won't work. Again, and, that, and, and, and then we find out that that could explain Sweden's success. Why they are the least masked country, the, one, of the, one of the least vaccinated countries in the world. They had the lowest, the, the least amount of lockdown last year. And yet they continue to have some of the greatest success because they're not adding to the ecosystem of the virus the way that we are by 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 spreading its original sequence around over and over and over again because the origin of the virus itself the virus didn't come from a natural phenomenon the virus itself is a mutated attempt to create a vaccine for a virus that didn't exist yet so it is the alpha in the room and all of our other attempts are are beta delta lambdas in in response would that alter dramatically if we under if we came into that knowledge and would that alter would 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 that be something we would have to know again just hypothetically speaking would that be something we would have to know in order to write or compose the definitive work on this story Yes, which is why I think we're a long way away from the definitive work. Agree. Yep. Steve, fake news or not. Again, hypothetically speaking. Fake news or not, Fauci was anointed as the grand supreme expert, not because he produced results, but because he felt like the opposite of mean tweets, which is ironic because now he is the inspiration for banning tweets if you disagree with him. Okay. I mean, isn't everything? Tell me what, let, let's narrow this down. What about Anthony Fauci is real? He's been there a long time. Yeah. I mean, what, what about him is real? Other than that. Because again, let's go back to the hypothetical scenario I just articulated. He would have, again, just hypothetically speaking, he would have played a role in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. He would have been one of those medical experts that his department that he specifically oversees, the NIAID, but then it's, it's, it's forerunner that he reports to, NIH, would have been involved in those kinds of efforts, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So give him the most benefit of the doubt. You tell me, Todd. What about Anthony Fauci is genuine at this point to you? Nothing. I, I, I totally agree. I, I don't, 
to me, he is nothing more than a construct. To me, Anthony Fauci is Mark Emmert. Emmert is the head of the NCAA. And he gets trashed and destroyed for contradicting himself all the time and saying stupid stuff that gets and saying and claiming things that get proven later on they aren't true. And and but his job is to do that. His job is to do that. He's paid well by college presidents. I think last year he got paid like three million or dollars or something um, to do that. So that the college presidents don't have to go out there and, and say this stupid stuff. They pay Mark Emmett to do it. He is a professional construct. Maybe there was a day and time that Anthony Fauci was a real researcher. Maybe there was a day and a time that, that Anthony Fauci was a real doctor, was a real scientist, and really cared about the cause of life. Maybe there was a time. But you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. He's been there for so long, that time has passed. His job now, he is like Mark Emmett is for college presidents, his job, he does that for the spirit of the age here. His job is to just open his mouth and their voice comes out. That's what comes out. That's his job. That's what he does. He's a construct. Steve, fake news or not, the real insurrection and not January 6th is what Fauci did to our economy, our mental health, and our faith in science. That's real news. And that, that's, that's real news. One of the things that's bothered me a lot about this, Todd, for the last year and a half, it's, it's not that I think I know as much about this as Anthony Fauci. It's that I'm well aware of the fact I do not. A lot of the things I had to learn in order to adequately analyze this stuff, I've just learned on a baseline level in the last year and a half. Therefore, if I'm able to put together questions and arguments that deconstruct him it is not because i have a, a, a superior level of expertise in a certain area it's because we're not arguing expertise anymore we're having a philosophical and a political argument a worldview a belief argument which means this argument is based on Assumptions, not data, not objective, quantified, calibrated, incontrovertible data. Then it's really just your political and socio-political opinion versus mine. That would be one thing if, if he were congressman or senator Fauci, right? Right. But is he one of those things? No. No, he's the nation's leading infectious disease expert. Is that a bad thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Because all the reasons why, all the reasons why, and again, I don't lack for self-confidence in the intellect department, okay? <laughs> all the reasons why, though, I have been able, and we have been able, to deconstruct him so effectively for the last year and a half are bad. And none of them are about our intellect or our smarts or our genius or our giftedness, they're all about the fact this guy's a dishonest broker. And because if he weren't, would we be able to do these things? No. No. We can only do these things because of who he is, not who we are. 
I'd be fascinated to see what you say about this. Fake news or not, Steve, in the four months since the book came out, and more and more people have come to agree with its preference, uh, with its premise publicly, it has actually become less likely that we will have a 9-11 style commission to weigh and measure Fauci. I disagree. I'm going to say that's fake news. The reason why I'm going to say that's fake news is political realities. I think Republicans are going to do very well next year. It's just a question, or do well. We can define what well looks like. I think they will win at least one of the congressional chambers. I think the odds are at least pretty good they'll win them both. If they do that, though, you still have Dementia Joe in the White House. We know, because past history is almost always the best indicator of future performance, right? Especially when nothing has really changed. It would still be Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn, and it would be Kevin McCarthy, who's right out of the Paul Ryan, John Boehner school of Republican pukism, right? Mm -hmm. And so now if those variables were to change, like Rand Paul, Senate majority leader, Chip Roy is House Speaker. That changes the calculus on things, right? Okay. But barring that, we have past precedent that shows us how this is going to play out. They will try to stop new bad stuff from happening. They will do nothing to stop old bad stuff that already happened. And then they will claim when we complain that they, the, the cost of doing that is too high because it, it, they can't shut the government down. This is, this, is, this is the Obama years after the Tea Party midterms of 2010 and 2014 over and over again. And, and pretty much all the same people that were in power in the GOP in D.C. in those years are still in power right now. So we know how this is going to play out. Like if if Judge Breyer decides to retire in 2024, they won't fill his spot like they didn't fill. Um, um, uh, the, I can't remember who was it. They didn't they didn't put Merrick Garland in for Antonin Scalia, right? Okay. They'll do again. They'll stop the new bad stuff because if they don't, then you know it blows up their entire scam. But they will do nothing. That requires stopping any of the bad stuff that's already been done. Instead, they'll claim that we that's why we need um, 67 Republicans in the Senate and uh, 347 in the House uh, and and eight of nine, if not all nine Supreme Court. So keep just keep voting Republican over and over and over again. The problem with that is our base is much more radicalized now than it even was in 2010 and 2014. The other problem with that is you're probably going to have Trump or someone trying to emulate him running for president in 2024 and 2023. Further ginning up and firing up our base, trying to capitalize on that. So our base is more radicalized. Whoever's going to try to run for the GOP nomination in 2024, whether it's Trump himself or uh, DeSantis trying to emulate some of that energy, is going to want to capitalize on that radicalization. And so the the base will be more radicalized. The guy who wants to be the next standard bearer of the, of the party is running on radicalization. They can't just survive. That old, that, the argument, we can't set the government down, that, that poop... Is gonna that poop got lame like in like after eight or nine months? That's gonna get lame in like eight or nine days. Like by Valentine's Day of 2023, people are already gonna be friggin' sick of this. Okay, they need content. They need something to feed to us. 
to keep us distracted and not complaining all the time? What is the most obvious piece of content staring them right in the face? Him. Him. And he's made himself enough of a partisan figure now, calling out Republicans by name, red states by name, Rand Paul by name. He has, he has allowed himself to become a strictly now partisan figure. We're a long way from even friends of ours in the spring of 2020 still talking about Anthony Fauci being a, you know, a national treasure. That dog, that, that ship has sailed. I mean, that dog's been put to sleep like 47 times, okay? He is a strict Democrat construct now. He's a construct of the Democratic Party. So it's, it's open season on him. Do whatever you want. Hold hearings. Throw out all the content you want. It'll keep people like us busy. Give us something to talk about. So we're not talking about the fact that they're not doing a damn thing for a year and a half. And so that's why I still think the odds are very high. We will get some form of 9-11 or Nuremberg-like tribunal if Republicans win next year on this era. They've got to come up with something to give us because it, it sure as hell isn't going to be going to the mattresses against Democrats. And lastly, from right from the book, fake news or not, Steve, our fear has gifted... Uh, Fauci, his authority. So even if his lust for fame and power and validation becomes more acutely absurd by the day, it only seems to reinforce his status as savior because for us to consider otherwise would be to admit our partial authorship of this entire grift. Fauci only sold much of America what it wanted to buy, and even now that his documented failure is complete, he still has plenty of buyers. And even if there never was an Anthony Fauci to buy it from, too many Americans would have just found another snake oil vendor. The heart wants what the heart wants. For God's sake, enough. I mean, that's, that's a summary of the entire book, minus the footnotes, but that's the summary of the narrative of the book. I mean, the, the, the intention of this book was, we had no idea we were going to sell this many copies. We thought it was possibly going to be the most successful book I've had, but we didn't, nowhere in our right minds did we think we were going to reach the sales figures we have. And that's a good, that's a good sign because the intent of this book was to find the sheepdogs was to find the, the, the folks who, would, who still had not abandoned critical thinking and even more so, a willingness to act on it. But we can't just do it on instinct and we can't just show up anymore just citing and quoting provisions of the Constitution that the spirit of the age is all but shredded down to the last syllable. We need, we need data. We need evidence to make our case. Otherwise, it's our emotion and our emotion may be draped in flags and patriotic imagery, but we can't out-emote them. It's our emotion versus theirs. You come back with your constant, we're just trying to kill grandma. We couldn't win the argument that way. We had to be equipped to win it objectively. But what you just did was reassert something that we have been pointing out since, since the book came out. COVID isn't an outlier. COVID did not break the American system. It is the result of a broken American system. It is because a generation of Americans were groomed to be ruled. They were made to be ruled. They want to be ruled. They either don't know what it means to be an American anymore, or they don't want to be. They want to be ruled. 
And so this book was written to be a bat signal for sheepdogs. Who's out there? We got wolves, we got sheep, we're the sheepdogs. They're going to defend the sheep from the wolves. And then this was hopefully a tool in your arsenal, a weapon, like giving you a sword. A weapon then that you could go out and wield to actually take ground. That was the point of the book because that's where we are as a society is what you just articulated. The good news with the success of a book like this, given given our modestly successful sized platform that we have on our show, is that there's a lot more sheepdogs than we thought than we thought. That's the good news. If we're going to end this on a positive note, the success of this book is an indicator. There's a lot more sheepdogs out there than we thought. We'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday is next. You know, we've been telling you about Rough Greens for a long, long time on this show. It's that powder that you sprinkle in with your dog's food. And with that one simple act, and then you stir it in, a lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, antioxidants, etc. You know, the good stuff that is probably missing from your pet's food. Stripped when it left the factory for long consumption, shelf life, etc. Same thing they do with the human food. That's why we take so many supplements these days. Chances are that's happened to the food your pet bought, your, your pet loves that you bought them from the store as well. And Rough Greens is the solution. It's the supplement for your puppy. But maybe you're concerned. Hey, I, I go out and buy this and then my dog doesn't like it. What do I do? Yeah, that's a good point. So we're just going to give you the first bag for free to find out. Now you're going to pay a couple bucks for the shipping. All right. So you got some skin in the game. Because a lot of times we just give you everything to you for free. The bag just sits on a counter and you never use it. We want you to use it. So we figure if you pay for the shipping, you'll at least have some skin in the game. You'll at least try it for a couple days and see if your pet doesn't like it or not. Because we want your pet to look better, feel better, etc. Be better. So give it a shot. That first 14-day Jumpstart bag is free. You just pay for the shipping when you go to roughgreens.com. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com. Or you can call them and take advantage of this offer as well at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, that's 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we take a look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And this week, we're going to talk about the conclusion to the MCU's latest offering, Loki. If you have not yet seen this or gotten to the end and you don't want it spoiled, we're going to give you to the count of three. Unfortunately, Aaron, I don't believe you have watched this yet, right? I have not. There's so no way we can. Off. Yeah, there's no way I think we can avoid spoiling That's this okay. for you. That's okay. okay. All right. So, but if you're if you're not a captive audience like Aaron who asked to sit here and listen, keep us on the air. Um, we want to make sure you've got time. You can always go back and listen to this later. Okay. So at the count of three, and then you're on your own, then you've accepted the responsibility. Okay. Three, two, one. All right. Spoiler alert. You were forewarned. Let's talk about the finale overall. Todd, what were your thoughts? Well, you had said it was Mandalorian level or near Mandalorian level, something along those lines. Yes. I, I can't wait to hear why you said that because as i did this time and i often do i always ask you for the comic book 
background. Yeah. I, I don't know it, most of that knowledge, and you do. Um, but I, it, it was fine, but I didn't have some sort of, oh my. I do think they absolutely had a fascinating philosophical discussion. That's basically what the guts of much of that was about yep. the meaning and the origins of life. I, I just wasn't blown away. And I, I don't think this points to any sort of obvious what's next in the universe, uh, the Marvel universe beyond uh, uh, where it was already going. So good. I just don't think great. I loved it. I I did think it was near Mandalorian good. I'll give two reasons why. One of them is philosophical, which you've already kind of alluded to. And the other is practical. Let me start with the practical. I thought this one gave us a payoff that none of the other series or movies they've put out yet have really done. It, it kind of feels like we have gotten a series of epilogues. Right? That's what Spider-Man Far From Home was. All right, So we got they teased the idea of a multiverse and then it turned out to be a scam. Wasn't true. That, I mean, that's a phenomenal film, by the way. Okay? Yeah, I mean, it's it, a phenomenal film, but it's really an epilogue. Doesn't really advance the MCU narrative in any kind of substantive way. Next film we had was Black Widow. It doesn't do that either. Then we had two series. Both of them well done to varying degrees. WandaVision, I think, was on the edge of being a transcendent masterpiece moment in, in the history of the, of the genre and, and maybe the medium, television itself, with its uniqueness and, the, and, and, and caliber of craftsmanship. And then I think it kind of punked out at the very end. Okay. I still though would say it was an elite level TV show. Yes. Cause a lot of people think that about my all time favorite show lost, right? Kind of th- a lot of people think lost kind of punked out at the end. Yeah. They're fools. okay. All right. So I think I, I could maybe make the same analogy with WandaVision doesn't take away from all of the mastery that took place until they kind of punked out at the end. And maybe the ending of lost doesn't either. I don't think it does. Other people disagree. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I enjoyed, I mean, the opening episode probably is the best episode in the entire series, particularly the opening sequence. But again, it's more of an epilogue. It doesn't really advance the overall narrative of the MCU whatsoever. This show does it in a big way. I believe it's introduced who your next Thanos level threat is going to be. Uh, and that is Kang the Conqueror. He is, you know, there's the, there's the earthly villains. There's the cosmic villains. Amongst earthly villains in the Marvel Universe, Dr. Doom is probably the greatest villain, all right? Uh, then there's the cosmic villains and Thanos and Galactus would occupy the ultimate threat in that area. And then there is the time um, theater in the Marvel Universe. And in the time theater, Kang the Conqueror is the alpha villain. Uh, one, He's the one ring, he's the Sauron, he's the one villain to rule them all. And that's the character that the actor who played uh, He Who Remains at the end um, he plays that character. It's already been announced in the Marvel universe in, um, uh, in the upcoming Ant-Man film. They're going to introduce him full regale. And I think that what you were shown here, and then he was teased again at the end of this last episode with what I thought was a brilliant homage to Planet of the Apes. You know, both the original versions of Planet of the Apes, the one with Mark Wahlberg and then the one with Charlton Heston, have the great reveal at the end 
the Heston one that he's been on Earth the entire time. You blew it up. You know what I'm saying? And then the Wahlberg one where he thinks he got out of the black hole and back to his Earth and he's at his Earth and it turns out that it's actually been taken over by apes and and Abraham Lincoln is uh, is um, is an ape on the throne as well. That's what happens at the end of this when he goes to the TVA they, and now suddenly they don't know who he is, but they see now King the Conqueror is actually wearing his Conqueror suit from the comics in that statue. I I think they have now actually taken a huge leap forward with the MCU. They have clearly planted their flag that the multiverse is going to be just as the chase for the Infinity Stones was the MacGuffin for the for the first era of of um, of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. The second generation is going to be driven by the multiverse. That will be the MacGuffin of the multiverse. You saw the timelines branch out right away, okay? Um, when, when this philosophical choice is made, which I'll get to in a minute. So I, I actually liked the way that the character of He Who Remains was played. They played him as a variant of Kang the Conqueror. He even hints, he says, I've been known as many things, a conqueror, okay? Um, that they 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 used this show, finally, they gave us an idea of in a big way of confirmation where this is going in the future. And that will be into the idea of alternate timelines, alternate Earths, multiverses, things of that nature, okay? And so I think the way they pulled that off was absolutely masterful from a storytelling standpoint. I was even more impressed, though, with how they did it philosophically. Essentially... The actor, and I cannot remember his name, it's Jonathan something that's playing Kang and He Who Remains. This is a reenactment of the Garden of Eden. And he is, he's even eating an apple for goodness sakes. Yeah. Okay. And he tempts them with knowledge. I mean, you can be like God. He says to them, take, you will take my place. You'll have this godlike knowledge that's been hidden from you. And now you get to, you can be like God, you rule, you make the decisions. And Loki finally, he's on the brink of altruism. And then his Baramir and Faramir instincts take over. And he's like, you know, maybe we could do a lot of good with that ring if we had it. Sylvie is um, the the other Loki variant, the female Loki variant. She is um, recognizing that this is irredeemable. This entire thing is a scam in and of it, in and of itself. Why? Because her variant was targeted as a child before she acted out, before she was deceptive, before she was the goddess of mischief, when she was just an innocent child. And these they came at her and took her and robbed her of her innocence. So she sees this much more cut and dried and far less nuanced than the Tom Hiddleston Loki that we know sees. She just sees this in the perspective of good and evil or free will and, and determinism. Um, she, she's not looking at this in layers. This is an either-or scenario for her. These people robbed her of her innocence. They robbed her of her life. They are deceptive at their core, this guy is. He's a deceiver, and so he's got to be taken out. And then she acts on it. And what you see happen is when he's removed... Suddenly, you see freedom. Uh, you see freedom essentially abound. You see all these timelines now all come into being. I thought, from a from a philosophical standpoint, where they are essentially Adam and Eve constructs, and he who remains is a satanic is a serpent construct, and there's even an apple between them as part of the conversation. Uh, I thought 
that was brilliantly done. And I mean, I that's why I thought when you looked at those two things, I thought it was nearly a Mandalorian level event. Uh, see, I think I would have seen it differently had you not said Mandalorian event. Uh, there was so much. Spe- I know that's hallowed ground for you, brother. Well, I hear you. Well, no, but it was th- th- that was so much spectacle and there was really no. And I didn't know you, you just informed me about the Kane the Conqueror stuff. I had no idea about that stuff. Uh, that would have been helpful. Um, you obviously didn't know that was coming. And I don't know. I hadn't read anything anywhere about it. I just didn't. Uh, it, it was. It was meant to be understated. It was not meant to have a bunch of lightsabers in the return of Luke Skywalker. It was, uh, um, I mean, there's a lot to unpack and I'll definitely have to go back and watch it again. I, uh, I, I think I, I fully didn't. What one thing I did appreciate is, is the Loki coming back and the look on his face, as you said, when he sees what's happened and nobody recognizes, mm-hmm. uh, him, uh, how, how Loki is now on both sides of this thing. Mm-hmm. One one is sitting on the throne of whatever, yep. and, and the other guy redeemed. Fascinating. Yeah, he was he was thrown now into this. He was thrown into a, an alternative reality. Yeah. There is no one singular sacred timeline anymore. That there are but, m- m- there are infinite numbers of of timelines and and universes. So now. the so the Loki the trickster still still won. I mean that's the slap in the face. Loki Loki'd himself in a way. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something that I don't think, and then we'll get some final thoughts in a second, but let me talk about something I think very few of you want to, want me to share or want to envision my underwear because I, how's that for a segue? Was that okay? Perfect. Unnecessary. (laughs) Unfortunately it was, it's, it's mandated. It's, it's here in the rundown. But I, I do. I love this product. It is the underwear that I wear. It's the only underwear I wear. Uh, and it's called Tommy John because the summer is for soaking up the sun, not your sweat. Tommy John underwear is your solution to not feeling sticky because of its cool cotton fabric. It's two to three times cooler than regular cotton. It lets your buns breathe, keeps your cheeks chilled, ices your cubes, all that good stuff all summer long. Um, and it's got all kinds of comfort innovations, uh, breathable, breathable, lightweight, moisture wicking fabric, four times the stretch of competing brands. It's great stuff for both men and women. And did I mention it's the only underwear that I use? So I, I can't give a recommendation better than I let it protect the most sensitive parts of my own body. Okay. So right now you can get 20% off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash Steve. Again, that's tommyjohn.com slash Steve. Get 20% off your first order. And and I I promise you, if you get this, it will not be your first order. You will come back for more, as I have repeatedly, at tommyjohn.com slash Steve. So, Aaron, now that, unfortunately, this has been spoiled for you, because there was no way around this, what are your thoughts on the conversation that Todd and I just had, just as someone who hasn't even seen the show yet? Well, based on our... Conversation last week, I believe it was last week, for Pop Culture Tuesday. I'm just glad that it, there seems to be a direction now because wandering uh, around in the wilderness, it might have produced some really fun moments, some memorable characters, and some good character development. But in the end, this is kind of the curse of doing what they did before with Thanos and that entire story arc. 
is that we're expecting, as fans of the MCU, we're expecting some ginormous story arc to be born sometime, sometime. And so I'm glad that that's the first thing that I asked you when you you texted this to 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 Todd and I this weekend. Does it actually advance, or is it does it set up the next big bad? And um, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that it does. Uh, we are. We just watched uh, Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp this weekend, so we're almost done with our watch-through, again, of the MCU, and then after that we'll we'll watch, um, we'll, pr- we'll probably skip um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we will watch Loki. Looking forward to it. You have any final thoughts? Well, get, uh, Kang the Conqueror, get bullet points. What do we need to know about him? He is, um, his origin is exactly what He Who Remains, it says at the beginning. Uh, a guy, a scientist from the 31st century who recognizes uh, that essentially there are multiple Earths, multiple timelines, multiple universes, that it's basically a multiverse. That is right out of the comics. Um, at, at times, he's gone back into time to try to, ver- different versions of him have sometimes been more benign. Um, there's a version called Amortis. That's been a little, that at times even like worked with the Avengers and Fantastic Four. And I think that the, the, the version of Kang that you see in um, at the end of Loki is kind of somewhat based off of him. He's even kind of wearing a pendant that's very similar to the one that Amortis wears in the comic books. Um, so there's there's another strain of, of Kang where he goes back into time and becomes like um, uh, the next Iron Man or something, or it, it, I think it is. Um, so there's different versions of him, just like the character says in the show. Some of them are good. Some of them are not very good. And Kang the Conqueror is the one that's the worst of them all. And that he essentially attempted... Now, what they turn around here is is in the comics, Kang tries to turn all the timelines into one timeline so he can rule Sauron them all, okay? In this one, they kind of introduced the idea that a benevolent version of Kang did that in order to stop the evil version of him from ever coming up and ever emerging, Kind of the whole, do you go back and kill Hitler? Hitler is a baby, so he never grows up. Kind of a you know ethical, you know uh, question that's been pondered in the past. Wow, there's a lot of places this can go. I agree. I think they have opened themselves up now to a cornucopia of story ideas. No or question. A multiverse of story. That, that's another way of putting it. Indeed. All right, overtime coming your way for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.